Since we have already read our sermon text from Matthew chapter 15, we will not do so again now. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you have a household pet? I know some of you have birds of various kinds, some of you have dogs, and some of you surely have cats. You love your pets. Have you heard of the term dog mom or cat mom, or perhaps even fur baby? In our culture, many people grow so attached to their pets that they consider them as almost a child. And to some degree, we can understand that. We spend a lot of time on our pets, a lot of money. But at the end of the day, our love for our pets is not the same as our love for our children. This becomes clear when we picture a Sunday dinner table. If a family is seated for dinner, there are places set for everyone. Eight smacklick. If it's a large family, you'd better get that food while it lasts. That Sunday roast will melt in everyone else's mouths but your own if you spend too much time on the mashed potatoes. Oh, but what's this, brushing your leg under the table? The dog is looking up at you expectantly. Puppy dog eyes. He smells the roast probably better than you do, but you don't give him any. Food is for the family. Afterwards, he might get the bone from the roast or lick up the spilled mashed potatoes from the floor, but you certainly don't set him a place at your table. He's a dog. Even a dog mom would recognize that her love for her real children is simply in a different category than her love for a dog. And in our text this morning, the Lord Jesus paints a similar picture. In this scene, the Canaanite woman is a dog who is asking to eat the children's bread, the good news of grace offered to the people of Israel. She doesn't deserve it. In fact, nobody, none of us, not even the Israelites, deserve to receive the good news of grace. By nature, we're all unclean, full of dirt. We're dogs. But in our text this morning, we'll see that God gives grace to the undeserving. We'll see that he gave this grace first to the Israelites, but we'll also see that according to his plan, this grace overflows to the Gentiles. And we'll see that the gospel, while freely extended to all who, hears it, all who hear it, only truly feeds those who accept it by faith. That brings us to our theme for this morning. In the household of faith, the Lord graciously gives the children's bread to a dog. We'll see first that the bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. And second, that the bread is received only by true faith. First, the bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus was on the shores of Galilee. The Pharisees and scribes have a problem with Jesus and his disciples. And they've come all the way from Jerusalem to ask, 
Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. They're asking a question about remaining ceremonially clean. In the law, God had given his people commands about holiness, which included how they were to keep themselves from being ceremonially unclean. But this hand-washing was not one of those commands. The Lord Jesus then points out that the Pharisees and scribes were speaking about traditions, not God-given commandments. Then in verse 10, Jesus calls the people to him and teaches them about what it really means to be unclean. He says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. It is sad that God's people, who were set apart to be holy, did not understand what it meant to be truly clean. And this is where our text begins. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. The land of Sidon was a land of idolatry and unclean, uncleanness, unholiness. Children, do you remember the Queen Jezebel, the wicked wife of Ahab? She was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians, and she was fiercely opposed to the ways of the Lord. She even persecuted and tried to murder the prophets. And Jezebel wasn't the only bad Sidonian influence on Israel. King Solomon also loved a Sidonian woman, and he went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. So when our Lord Jesus went to the district of Tyre and Sidon, he walked into the heart of pagan territory into the heart of an unclean people who had drawn Israel away from the Lord to worship idols. And whom does he meet there? Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We might think, we've seen enough of Canaanite women. Thank you very much. After all, what would the Son of God have to do with an unclean woman from an unclean people who had drawn God's people away from him? It was not a question of whether Jesus could cast out the demon. Earlier, we read in chapter 8 that he had cast out the spirits with a word from those who were oppressed by demons. So in a sense, one word is all it would have taken. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples, they're a bit put out by this woman. She keeps crying out. She's being a nuisance and perhaps drawing unwelcome attention in a foreign land. So they come to Jesus and beg him to send her away. From the way that Jesus replies, it seems that the disciples were asking, please just heal her daughter so that she'll leave us alone. And now, for the first time in our passage, the Lord Jesus speaks. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't speak to the Canaanite woman, but to the disciples. This lesson is for them. 
And it's one that they've actually heard before. In chapter 10, Jesus had sent out these same 12 disciples to preach and to perform miracles. He had told them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. To our ears, these words might sound unfair. Why would Jesus only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel when everyone else also has problems? In the first place, we should remember that God didn't have to save anyone, not even the Israelites. But he had chosen Abraham and his descendants to be his people. In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And the Lord had made Israel a great nation. He had blessed them. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. He gave them the law. And he even gave to them his prophets to direct them back to his law. And now in this next step of God's salvation, he sends the Messiah to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord Jesus is the son of David, the heir to the throne. David was the shepherd who became a king, but the Lord Jesus was the king who served as the good shepherd. He was sent to the lost sheep. Jesus ministered mostly in the land of Israel. He taught in their synagogues, he taught them in parables, and he performed miracles and signs among them. And if this is where the story of grace ends, we might expect the passage to stop here. But the Canaanite woman keeps going. She comes and kneels before him. And for the first time, Jesus speaks to her. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Again, to our ears, this might sound a bit harsh. But Jesus is really teaching the same lesson to the Canaanite woman that he had just taught to his disciples. Bread was a staple of life in ancient times, much like today. It was the basic food that, that fed many people every day. But the bread that Jesus speaks about here is not literal, but spiritual, life-giving bread. Just as our God provides our literal daily bread, so he provides his children with spiritual bread each day, the grace of his gospel. And in God's plan, the children are given the bread first. It's not right to give what they need to the dogs. But the Canaanite woman sees some hope in this metaphor. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Surely there's some scraps of blessing and mercy left over. And she's right to have hope, brothers and sisters. Because if we take a step back and look at the way God has worked among his people over time, we see that crumbs had always been falling from the table. When God promised to make Abraham's descendants a great nation, he also said, in you 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These crumbs of mercy were part of God's plan from the very beginning. In our reading from 1 Kings 17, we found one example of these crumbs. The Lord sent the prophet Elijah to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. These were the days of King Ahab and his Sidonian wife, Jezebel. Yet God sent Elijah to Sidon. And God worked a miracle for the widow. In fact, two miracles. Neither the jar of flour nor the jug of oil became empty. But he also raised her son from the dead. Eventually, the Lord did send Elijah back to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he had provided this Canaanite woman with crumbs of his mercy. The Lord chose this woman to receive blessings through the prophet Elijah. The Lord Jesus himself refers to this event when he teaches in Nazareth many years later. In a time when he was not acceptable in his hometown. He says, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah... And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. With this example, the Lord Jesus is teaching that salvation is not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Many Jews would reject it, but when it was offered to them, many Gentiles would welcome it. So we ask, how does God's grace to the Gentiles work out in the ministry of our Lord Jesus? Well, at this specific stage of God's plan, Jesus was calling the lost sheep of Israel. But even during this stage, we've just seen that his ministry brought many crumbs to the Gentiles. Like Elijah, Jesus leaves Israel to spend some time in a foreign area. And after the Canaanite woman shows her faith, Jesus does grant her request. Her daughter is healed. And then from there, as we read, he goes to an area, a mountain, in what is known as the Decapolis, an area that was mostly Gentile. Great crowds came to him, just like in Israel, and Jesus healed many who were disabled. And how did they react? They glorified the God of Israel. But it gets even better for us. Because after Jesus rises from the dead, God completely opens the door of his covenant of grace to the Gentiles. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives the same 11 disciples a new commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the bread was given first to the children, but it was then given to the dogs. As Paul says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see the seeds of this in Jesus' mercy to the Canaanite woman. And this seed comes to full flower when our Lord shed his blood on the cross to reconcile all believers, Jew and Gentile, to God. In his letter to the Gentile Ephesians, Paul writes, 
Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, brothers and sisters, the story of the Canaanite woman shows to us the wonders of God's plan of salvation. The lost sheep of the house of Israel did not deserve his grace. They were lost, after all. And the Canaanite woman doesn't deserve his mercy either. We might have been asking ourselves, why does Jesus not answer this woman? Why does he seem so harsh to her? But we should really ask, why would Jesus answer her? And even closer to home, why would Jesus answer us? Most of us are not physical descendants of Abraham. If we go back far enough, most of our ancestors were no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon, worshipping false gods. And if we look deep enough, we're no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon either. By nature, we're as unclean as a Canaanite woman. Jezebel looks pretty bad, but what about you? We've considered in the last few weeks what false gods and idols we worship. The idols of self, possessions, property, power. But we don't need to look beyond our own sins for proof of total depravity. But God sent Elijah to the widow at Zarephath. Jesus answered the Canaanite woman. And God speaks his word to you all today. By his grace, God has brought the Gentiles into his covenant. He has made the unclean to be clean. He has given the bread of the gospel to dogs. Or maybe it's not so much that he has given bread to dogs, but that he has transformed us from dogs into children. We've been given a place at his table. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So how do we respond to this hope, to this good news of grace? Earlier in the chapter, we saw the example of the Pharisees. Jesus says, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. The Pharisees were supposed to be those who ate at the table, the children to whom the bread was given. But they don't want to be fed by the words of Jesus. They don't eat the bread they've been given, so to speak. So we're left with this question. How do we receive the good news of grace? How do we eat the bread? And that brings us to our second point. The bread is received only by true faith. In our text, the Canaanite woman holds out hope for crumbs. And crumbs are enough for her. She humbly and persistently pursues that hope, showing great faith. In this point, we'll walk through the text once more, a bit more quickly, learning from the great faith of the Canaanite woman. Her example shows us also how to walk with great faith, 
how to properly respond to God's grace. At the beginning of our passage, the Canaanite woman is deeply distressed. Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We're not told how long this has been the case, but we can step into her shoes for a moment. In the district of Tyre and Sidon, a land of idolatry, there's no power that can drive out a demon. And the bond between mother and daughter is very strong. She loves her daughter, but she's helpless. In Mark's account of this same event, he writes that Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Immediately, he says, the woman heard of him and came down and fell at his feet. It's a bit surprising that news is going out about Jesus, even in this Gentile land. It's understandable that he would draw crowds in Israel where he was teaching and performing miracles. But what did these Gentiles know about him? Well, the Canaanite woman knew enough. In the first place, she knows her need, and she knows she doesn't deserve help. She doesn't approach Jesus saying, quick, I have this problem. Can you get rid of it for me? No. She was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. There's no reason he should help her, an unclean woman from a nation of idolatry, and she doesn't presume upon his help, but she has hope. The Canaanite woman also knew who Jesus was. She calls him Lord, son of David. Elsewhere in the Gospels, the ones who call Jesus Lord are often those who come to him with special requests. They respect and believe that he has authority and power to help them. And the Canaanite woman calls him son of David. And this is perhaps more remarkable. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, the title Son of David has a special significance. It's used to refer to the Messiah, the one whom God would send to save his people, the Israelites. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Later, Jesus asks the Pharisees, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They say to him, the son of David. So it's one thing for the Canaanite woman to know about King David. It's another for her to know about the Jewish Messiah. But it's still another to believe that the Lord Jesus was this Messiah. She had not only heard reports about him, but she believed what she heard. And if you know about Jesus, even the basics of the gospel, you can see that he's your only hope. The Jews had studied the Old Testament. They had heard Jesus' teaching, saw his miracles. They knew about Jesus, but they did not believe in him. This Canaanite woman, she was no scribe or Pharisee, but she had heard about Jesus and she believed. She clung to her hope like a lifeline. But Jesus did not answer. And if we were Canaanite woman following a Jewish rabbi surrounded by his 12 disciples, this might be embarrassing. What a fool we're making of ourselves. Or maybe if we're being ignored, 
we might get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve a response? But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Her most basic request, her most basic confession is that she is helpless, but that Jesus is Lord and he can help her. She's been crying out and maybe she's at her wit's end. Lord, help me. Jesus answers, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In the first point, we saw how Jesus' words and actions in this story point to grace and good news for the Gentiles. But if you were a Canaanite woman, you might not see that here. You might be broken, feeling even worse. Or again, perhaps you would get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve your help? But she says, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Incredible. She humbly says, Yes, Lord. You're right. I'm a dog, and it's not right for me to eat the children's bread. But even here, she sees hope. She knows that Jesus is her only hope, and she puts all her eggs in this basket. She is humble, but she's also persistent. And Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the moment that the passage has been building towards. With everything she has said, the Canaanite woman has been showing, proving her faith. And Jesus proves here that she's put her eggs in the right basket. He's never met her daughter. He doesn't go with her to find her, the daughter, but he grants the woman's request and he heals her from a distance. So the woman was right to trust in the power of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, have you ever spoken the words of the Canaanite woman? Have you knelt before God helpless and asked, Lord, help me? Does it feel as though God is not helping you? You've been crying out to him with real problems that really hurt you. And it feels like God is not answering you a word. Our text this morning has good news, has hope for you, because it proves that God hears you and he does answer you. Hear God's word, his answer to you this morning in our text. All we have needed, his hand has provided. Our greatest need is his grace, and that's exactly what he has given. Let us learn from the faith of the Canaanite woman. It's difficult to accept the words of Jesus, to hear that we are nothing but dogs, undeserving of help. But grace is so much sweeter when we know the depths of the sin that we've been saved from. So in humility, with patience, with perseverance, cry out to God for the bread that he provides. The Canaanite woman was patient, and that was probably painful. She didn't receive an answer at first, 
And the answer that Jesus gave probably wasn't what she wanted. But then in the end, the Lord did reward her faith. Child of God, the Lord also knows your faith. He sees your grief, your needs, and he answers in his perfect provision, in his perfect timing, by his perfect power, with his perfect grace. The Lord told this woman, great is your faith. How amazing would it be to hear our Savior say that to us? Especially when we consider that the source of our faith is not our own goodness. It's not our own efforts. Part of God's grace is that he sows every stitch of faith into our hearts, start to finish. Let that encourage you this week as you seek his grace, the bread that he provides with humility and perseverance. Brothers and sisters, guests who are among us, do you desire crumbs of mercy, the bread of the gospel? Eat freely by faith. If you've been eating for a while, eat some more. Be nourished at the table alongside God's other children. But if you've never eaten before, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, humble yourselves, know your helplessness, and don't stop crying to God for his grace. The Lord will sustain and feed all those who seek him in true faith. Congregation, let's return for a moment to the dinner table, to the Sunday roast and the mashed potatoes. Even a dog mom would admit that there is a difference between her dog and a real human child. There is no place set for a dog at a family dinner table. But in our text this morning, we've seen that the Lord Jesus, he does feed the Canaanite woman, a dog. It's not as though he sets a place for a dog at the children's table, but in his wonderful plan, he does something unthinkable. He has transformed unclean dogs into his holy human children. He sets them a place at his table. He accepts them into the household of faith. This table is richly prepared, and there's always food enough for everyone. You don't have to watch carefully to make sure that you get your share of the Sunday roast. There's grace enough. But in order to get your share, you must eat with faith. You must recognize your undeserving place at the dinner table, and you must come with faith. Only then will you be nourished by God's grace. In our text, Jesus is not speaking directly about the Lord's Supper. This text is much more general, but it certainly reminds us of the truths that we see in the sacrament. We look forward to celebrating the Lord's Supper next week, to being nourished spiritually by the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus. So let us prepare our hearts. Let us look forward with joy to that occasion. Because you can be sure that if you come to the table in faith, God will provide you with not only crumbs, but with the full grace that he so freely gives his children. Amen.
Let's respond now with, with praise to the bread of the gospel given to us from the words of Psalm 87, the verses 1 through 5. 